Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once, it's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the western border, I suppose. Uh, hello from Netherlands. I'm here for a few days um, doing some businessy stuff, doing some tourism as well. But um, yeah, this time eastern border from one of the westernmost countries in Europe. It's it's pretty nice here. Like everything is super flat and negative curvature everywhere, but um, it feels really nice. However, just because I have um, taken a short trip to Netherlands, and then I'll go back to Riga, and then I'll go back to Ukraine. It's going to be fun, but just because I'm here doesn't mean I'll stop working. Because, oh boy, we have a lot of interesting news about what's going to happen and what's going on with the war. And some are stranger than others, so to speak. Now, yesterday I couldn't publish, but um, Mr. Lavrov, the Minister of Lies, as usual, managed to basically insult the country of Israel by stating that Hitler actually had Jewish blood and that Jews were the real, real Nazis. And, and that's just beyond bizarre, because Israel had been more or less neutral during this whole event. They tried to keep their good relations with um, with, with Russia. However, now, um, that's that's probably not happening. However, however, I was, um, I was about to t- tell you about this news, but then Mr. Lavrov managed to do something um, again. They were asked to apologize by the Israeli government, which just makes sense, because you basically you know, turned an anti-Semitic meme into reality at an official level, just when you thought this couldn't get any crazier. But uh, Russian Ministry of uh, Internal Internal Affairs didn't calm down about yesterday's statements about the Jews. Oh, no. Today, Maria Zaharova, spokesperson for that, gives another portion of nonsense and now is accusing the politicians of Israel that they are blowing up an informational campaign. And um, she now stated that obviously the Jews are Nazis, since uh, apparently Israeli Israel, Israel mercenaries, or volunteers to be more exact, Israel army veterans, are now fighting together with the, Pol- with the Azov battalion. And uh, she obviously, as, as, as we're used to seeing from Russian, Russian spokespeople, didn't provide any proof. However... Yeah, now we're, we got into the point where the Jews are the real Nazis. And Lavrov himself, he doubled down too. He didn't back down at all. Oh no, he uh, also stated that, well, it, it is obvious that just because you're a Jew doesn't mean you can't be a Nazi. I mean, look at all these other Jewish Nazis. And then he stated that our president, Egil Slevitz, who has some Jewish blood in him, yeah, he's also among uh, the list of Nazis. So Lavrov, Minister of Lies, 
can't even he he can't even finish offending one country when he has to switch over and start offending the second country and and as many countries as humanly possible because you know when if you if you go full crazy you have to completely go crazy and then he doubled down even further because today the delegation arrived in moscow for diplomatic talks which has, um, you know, they have a planned meeting with Lavrov and other official persons. What delegation, you might ask? Well, one that obviously, I think, agrees with Mr. Lavrov. It's a Hamas delegation. Yes, an official delegation from Hamas, the terrorist organization. They've flown into Moscow, and they're in official talks. In the meantime, a media, media source project just reported that, um, yeah, a Russian propaganda machine is now trying to find another term, another analog for their so-called denazification. Because apparently your average uh, your average Russian TV consumer he can't um, you know he can't understand the concept of denazification, and it's kind of too long, so they have to come up with um, something else. But about more important news, because we have some we have some things. First of all, there was this accusation that Girkin, Igor Strelkov, the guy that I use as my source, could be an FSB agent and sent him there to basically, you know, he's still he's still working for the FSB. And I believe that, yeah, he could. He could be doing that, but it doesn't really change the fact that he has info on the ground and and that he's trying to pump up the war for the Russian population. But seeing from his battle reports Seeing from his battle reports, if he if his job is to like play up Russian successes and everything, then he's doing quite a bad job because he's not not giving any positive assessments of the situation. However, we have in total um, a bunch of news. First of all, from the start of the war up until the first of May, according to United Nations, in Ukraine, three thousand one hundred and sixty-three civilians have died, and another 3,316 have been wounded. And obviously the number is higher, but these are just the confirmed cases. Secondly, the Russian army has restored the assault to Azovstal, the factory in Mariupol, even when, you know, the evacuation of civilians hadn't really finished. And yesterday I had an interesting conversation with a person who had made business deals in Azovstal and who knew specifically how the insides of the factory looked like and how they worked, you know, steel industry people know these kind of things. And of course, he mentioned a lot about the old 90s corruption ties and everything. But there's an important thing which really stri- struck me, and I think it's worth mentioning here. Everyone's hiding in Azovstal, not just because it's a massive factory, no. The thing is that, um, as it's a steel mill, they have these three main big um, kind of uh, blast furnaces, and they can't stop because otherwise you'll have massive metal slug, uh, slug like 28 tons of iron in each, that you'll have to cut out because they'll be useless. And those parts are not bombed because Russia wants to take them over because you can rebuild the rest of the infrastructure. But that's the groundwork and you have to keep that going so Russians won't won't bomb that. And the workers know that and the people in Mariupol hiding there know that. So that's why they hid there. And also because during the Soviet era, because of Stalin's old company, apparently a bomb shelter was built there. Like a real bomb shelter with water and fuel and like diesel generators and electricity and an internet. They probably have updated this with internet access, because if you think about this, Mariupol barely has any electricity, yet we get messages from Azovstal, and they can get messages out, and they have some resources. So they're not hiding there just because it's a big building, and because it's easy to defend. They're hiding there because it was a fully built Soviet-era bomb shelter that was modernized. And if you think about it, it makes sense. They actually have electricity there and, and, and water and stuff. 
they are running short on food and meds, sure, but um, hey, Azovstal is probably the best place to, to be in because, again, Russians don't want to stop the blast furnaces and it's an actual bomb shelter, so it actually might have generators and everything that could keep it functioning. That was interesting, interesting piece of news because, well, I have some other info, but that's going to go in a separate episode, but this detail struck me as really good. Other thing is that Russian forces have um, struck, have, have commenced with missile strikes to Lvov, Krivogradsk, Dnipropetrovsk, or Dnipro, as you call it in Ukrainian, this is from a Russian source, and um, Zakarpatsky. In these districts, there have been new missile strikes. Also, we have found out that um, on, the cr- on, the, on the cruiser Moscow, the, the big ship, apparently, basically over half of the soldiers there were not contracted soldiers, they were conscripts which means that they were basically young, 18-year-old guys, just constituted the army. A source told to a media agency against them that um, basically approximately 300 of these conscripts were in the boat when it sank. So it's a lot of loss for young kids, basically. Slovakian company, Konstrukt Defense, they're a military, military company, is now starting r- starting repairs and modernization of the U- of Ukrainian Ukrainian military vehicles, which has just been stated by the, mini- the, the Minister of Defense of Slovakia, Yaro Nadj, which is pretty great. I mean, those tanks need some fixing, and upgrades will help as well. Vladimir Zelensky, however, has also stated that to fully restore Ukraine after the war, about $600 billion will be needed. This will go for infrastructure objects, apartment buildings, and, and businesses, restoring everything. The losses are immense, because, yeah, we're talking about sanctions and having an effect on the Russian economy, but Ukrainian economy has been devastated. However, a lot of these agencies predict that it'll actually take less time for Ukraine to be restored to the pre-war levels, because, well, apparently it'll get some help, and, hey, if I would be a business, that would be good practice to just, you know, go to Ukraine and help them rebuild. Head of the Euro Commission... Head of the Euro Commission, Ursula von der Leyen, had stated that um, another sixth packet of sanctions will happen. There will be an embargo of oil, and Sperbank, the largest Russian bank, uh, which is uh, basically their central bank that runs everything, the central one, will also be turned off from SWIFT. And there's going to be a lot of, um, lot of basically, sanctions on Russian media. Russian, Pro-Russian media will also be heavily, heavily kind of... Uh, turned off in the EU, and there's going to be a, a list of uh, a long list of personal sanctions. Australia also had uh, turned on sanctions uh, against 75 deputies of Gosduma, 20 ministers of the Donetsk People's Republic, 12 ministers of the Lugansk People's Republic, and also against my favorite buddy and uh, greatest propagandist ever, Vladimir Solovyov, which is nice. Moscow, at the same time, has prohibited entry in Russia for the for the for, minis- for for a couple of ministers and the prime minister and also 61 other citizens of Japan. Apparently, they have taken into account the Japanese attitude towards the war and the Kuril Islands. So now, a bunch of a bunch of Japanese politicians will not be able to spend their vacation in Vladivostok. Oh, whatever shall they do? I would cry in their stead. Oh wait. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. 
At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. But yeah, also, also uh, the Czech PF, PPF group has now also left Russia, so that harms their agriculture business, which is just, well, excellent, but that's about, you know, all the today's headlines. The, inter- the most interesting part is the, really the change that denazification will no longer be approved of. But about the fronts, again, we have some nice news from Igor Girkin. He's my best buddy at this point. I should send him a box of chocolates, probably full with cyanide or something. He's great. So, from his news, and once again, Igor Girkin, if you're new here, is uh, he's the ex-leader of the Donetsk People's Republic, the guy who led the separatist forces there, who grabbed a bunch of mercenaries and nice young men from Moscow and sent them to, you know, cause trouble in Donetsk. Currently, in the, in the, in the districts of Belgorod and Bryansk, basically there is no news about active military actions. Region, region around Kharkiv. There are fights in the northeast and southwest of the city. Attacks of the Ukrainian soldiers in these directions have been, have been basically, you know, have been basically stalled and there haven't been any major results. There, there have been some movement by the Ukrainian counterattack, but it's not as deep and, um, and efficient as, as it could have been. Russian soldiers also don't have anything to basically, you know, state. In total, front remains on the line, which Ukrainian army, which Ukrainian army achieved about a week ago, slightly moving forwards again. In the region a bit south of Izium, uh, this is this is the region where the railways are connected and the agglomeration is happening. In the last two um, two days, Russian Russian soldiers haven't moved anywhere. Basically, uh, this kind of um, this strike through to the kind of highway Barovenko Slavyansk, yeah, it, it's not even close. Even though Girkin himself stated that, well, the, the fights there are going to be difficult. Well, in, in one of my previous news uh, news episodes, I mentioned this. Fights are going to be difficult. However, well, he planned that this would be achieved by the end of last week. That did not happen. There are still fights around um, Krasnova Limana. And apparently, basically, <laughs> this is um, th- these, ba- these battles are super heavy because, well, Russian Federation's military wants to show this to basically, you know, have some, have some sort of a conciliatory prize, which, um, well, you know, in place of actual capture of all the Donetsk group of the Ukrainian armies. Liman has been surrounded by the Russian soldiers and parts of LDNR soldiers from the east and southeast, but 
basically when um, after the the uh, Russian assault on Barvenko, the whole you know highway, as that's as that's done, it wasn't it was impossible to surround it fully, and the the Ukrainians are going to fight for it. There is a forestry t- forestry terrain around the city, and uh, basically basically uh, the everything's starting to bloom finally, which is good because. This means that uh, Ukrainians can camouflage themselves better, they're way less visible, which threatens the Russian movements due to constant ambushes. Like I said, if the leaves are happening in the forests, then, uh, then, well, but then well, everything's going to be way, way more difficult. And uh, at the same time, there are massive fighting there, and both sides are, as Girkin states, taking heavy casualties. All these, all these things, all these movements basically come down to massive casualties. In the in the region of Severodonetsk, northern Donetsk, without any changes, again because because this is a very fortified position, and uh, without any real threat to their to their um, you know to their back soldiers, you know to the backgrounds, um, we call it till or Eismugore, or from without threats to their behinds. Um, the the Ukrainian army who was supposed to leave that position as their kind of their supply lines were threatened, yeah. Now that that's over and they didn't take the highway that would guarantee Russian army the success, yeah, they're fighting back hard. And there was an assault on this position by the Russian Federation and and the, the separatist forces, but that didn't happen. There are total the, the the combat is still going on, and it's heavy. And again, both both heavy losses and casualties from both sides. Popasnaya, village of Popasnaya. Again, no real shifts. Slow Russians are slowly creeping forward, but very slowly. But there are massive, massive losses. This region has the heavy, like every everywhere, everywhere in today's report, I read that uh, the losses are heavy. But this region is pulled out specifically because the losses there are the heaviest. Again, regions of Donetsk, Dievka, Marinka, and Ugladar. Same thing. The only difference is that. Um, that basically the city itself and the key um, key villages surrounding it uh, is basically guarded by the Ukrainian army and the Russian Federation and Donetsk forces haven't even entered them. The battles are heavy, but everywhere else, if there is some, some movement, then here the movement's kind of, you know, utterly, utterly stopped. In Zaporozhye, there basically uh, the, assault, the assault of Donetsk separatist forces was, well, heavily beaten back and there was a real setback for the Russian forces. There are positional fighting but the assault failed completely and this is tied to the fact that in the in the army of Donetsk right now there's like massive conscription of people who haven't held a gun in their lives so they tried to throw their their cannon fodder at fortified Ukrainian positions and there are massive casualties there that's an actual failure of the Russian army. And uh, well Pridnestrovia, Transnistria, and apparently there isn't any active fighting there yet. However, Igor Girkin states that there is a serious threat over there for uh, an assault on Russian positions by both Ukrainians and Moldovans. Even though in the real world, the Transnistrian guys are probably going to do their own assault on Ukraine to maybe try to capture Odessa. However, they're very careful around these parts because there is a serious threat of Romania, Moldova getting involved into this war and, you know, 
over overwhelming Transnistria, which still remained, by the way, as one of their Moldovan separatist republics, because they have Gogazia, but that's a whole different story. But Transnistria is its own separate republic, kind of like Donetsk, except it exists from 1992. We had a whole lot of episodes about this one, too. And I think the best show that you, if you want to learn about Transnistria is not from my show, but from the podcast called The Red Line, where I was a guest on that episode, mind you, and um, they had a great episode on this one. What's happening, though, is that the high command of Russian Federation right now is doing some serious, not not as acts of, um, you know, not, not like acts of terrorism to cause fear among the population, but they have started bombing actual logistics lines in various regions. And the thing is that they're not bombing rails at this point because the Russian army is moving on railroads and their logistics are tied to the rails, but they're bombing electricity for the railroads. The problem is that just as in many places in the Soviet Union, in like in, in, in Latvia as well, not all of our railroads are electricity-based. A lot of them are still diesel-powered, which means that if if even the power lines next to the railroads get bombed, Kiev can send their diesel trains there and still continue doing things, which is, well, bad for Russia, I suppose, but um, they're just acting on orders. I don't see, in general, massive initiative by their forces. In total, basically, situation in the front in total continues to go as, well, Igor Girkin predicted, worst scenario ever, as he said we could go. Strategically, this goes in hand with the command of the Ukrainian army, who has managed to pull off another major success in their, as he states, propaganda about their kind of assault counterattack on Kharkiv, which wasn't as successful as the Ukrainian side would want you to think. However, it was an, it was an, it was a success, and you know there were retaken territories, which is great. Girkin states that the Ukrainian army has acquired one more week to regroup their forces, to to regroup their forces, to gather strength, and to get more equipment and ammunition from, from the West, which would then be turned against the Russian Federation. And Igor Girkin is extremely sad about this. We, however, think that, um, well, basically, that's, uh, that's good news, because Ukraine doesn't look like it's going to fall anytime soon. Igor Girkin also mentions that, uh, well, apparently Russian high command is learning its lessons from the war, war extremely slowly, so we can't really expect any major breakthroughs from the Russian side. Again, bad news for Girkin, great news for us. And uh, this about concludes my daily news report, this time, like I said, from Amsterdam. If you are in the Netherlands or somewhere close that you can just, you know, grab a train ride, please let us know in Twitter or on our email, theeasternborder at gmail.com. We'd be glad to see you. Why not? I'll be here for um, for a couple of days, so feel free to message me. And if you want to meet up and, I don't know, have a beer in a pub or something, let me know. I'll be more than glad to, to hang out with you. Also, please consider becoming our patron, patreon.com slash theeasternborder, or just go to theeasternborder.lv and click the donate button there, or better yet, become a patron through there. Also, you can become a patron if you click on the little money icon on my Twitter account. Uh, my Twitter is at eastern underscore border. Please find us there. We like to talk and post stuff there, so it's pretty neat. Also, of course, please donate to Ukrainian military. Comebackalive.ua is my favorite and approved, uh, approved charity site. And remember, happiness is mandatory. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.